1: So, Ryan, let's dive over to the mailbag. We have some super chats here we'll start off with. Dan Muller with a super chat. Thank you, Dan. Do you think the game plan will be the same as Ohio State? I will say no, I do not. Yeah. It will be similar, but no, I do not. As in we think that it's going
2: to be a conservative approach and try to keep the opposing offense off the field? Well, is that is that where we're aiming from?
1: Well, I think that, and then also I would imagine that the question has to do with the defensive game plan similar as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think number two things, there's two huge differences between North Carolina and Ohio state's offense. Number one, North Carolina will throw the ball deep a lot more than Ohio state. They are yep. much more, they are a much more aggressive downfield offense than, than Ohio state. Would you agree with that, Ryan? I would a hundred percent. Okay. Drake may in three games has already hit eight balls, completed eight passes beyond 20 yards past line of scrimmage. That's a lot. That's mm-hmm. a lot. And so uh, you compare that to CJ uh, Stroud, who's hit seven, but CJ Stroud has only attempted 11 shots past 20 yards. Uh, and I don't I don't think he attempted but a couple against Notre Dame, right? And so uh, this is definitely a more aggressive a more aggressive vertically oriented team. so you can't necessarily defend them the same exact way uh, that you defended. Ohio State but there are a lot of similarities in my opinion Ryan
2: yeah well I think I think one thing that'll be similar is I I do like I will I do hope that Notre Dame's secondary is planning to be very physical with the Notre Mm -hmm. with North Carolina wide receiver unit right like I think that that's Mm -hmm. a thing that could be definitely part of the equation but I agree with you I don't think that it's going to be like a mirror image type of thing right because also on the other side of it it's like you're playing against a completely different defense than what you saw at Ohio State. Like, Ohio State had a real – like, their defense looks very much improved so far this year, and I just Mm – I don't think you can count on North Carolina playing well defensively, right? Like, you're going to assume that they're at their best, but reality says that they're not a very good defense right now. So, some some uh, implements, though, Dan, I think to the question, right? Like, I think – being physical against the opposing wide receivers is one that you're going to see. Like Notre Dame was very, very aggressive at the line of scrimmage against Ohio State's wide receivers, which I think helped them in a lot of ways. So that's one big mm-hmm. thing. And then I think there's going to be emphasis
1: on running the football for Notre Dame, right? I think there has to be. So yeah. And those regards, you don't want to get into. Sure, Ryan. Even if you have a good offense, you don't want to get into a shootout with North Carolina. I Absolutely. Mean, not. Wake Forest showed that. You just eventually your defense is going to wear down, right? And and you're going to not be able to make stops. I think for me. Look, if you play Ohio State five more times, you're probably not going to hold them to 21 points anymore, ever again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just mm-hmm. it everything kind of went right. They played well. Ohio State also didn't play great, didn't have I mean, there's a lot of reasons you held them to 21. I don't think it's like if Notre Dame plays Ohio State in a rematch in the playoff, I'm just make or in a bowl game just for argument's sake, you're probably not gonna say, Hey, well, we gotta do is get to 22 and we can beat them. No, they're probably gonna score more the next time. And so I don't think it's just a repeat of, oh, just do what you did in Ohio State. And then, you know, you're, right. number one, you're going to have to score. Because the yes. one thing you want to try to do, because here's the thing. North Carolina is one of the best play from behind teams in college football. Because mm-hmm. their tempo and, and the way that they run, they're not afraid to keep running if they're down 17 points in the third quarter. Because of the tempo, they can still, they'll still run it on you because they'll just gash you. They're not going to, oh, well, we're behind. We got to go, we got to go throw the football now. You know, they're still do their RPOs. They're still going to run the football. So you, it's hard to get them out of their offense. And Mm -hmm. if you are just keep giving them the ball over and over again, they're eventually going to start scoring points. And so you're going to have to control the clock, but you can't do it in the same way they did it against Ohio state. Can't do it that way. Yeah. Like you have to be aggressive. You have to get points. You can be aggressive yet controlled. And that's the balance that Notre Dame is having a hard time finding right now on offense. But there are times that you do need to maybe push the tempo to get North Carolina on their heels. Because if you just allow this North Carolina team to just line up and have 30-plus seconds to get ready and get their calls in, they're going to have more success than they've had in recent weeks, especially against an offense that has shown that they have no ability to throw the ball beyond 10 yards. You know, So (laughs) a level of execution is going to have to be there as well for Notre Dame. I think a major difference too, Brian, is like you have going into the Ohio
2: State game. You you thought that the offensive and defensive line could obviously out physical Ohio State. It ended up not really happening, right? Like Ohio State kind of counteract that physicality. I think mm-hmm. you feel pretty good about the odds, though, that Notre Dame's going to come in against North Carolina and be the more physically imposing team. Hopefully, right? Like you on think paper. You better be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, from what I've seen on film, even if Notre Dame is just what they were last week, I think that they will be a more physically imposing team on the defensive and offensive line than North Carolina. So I think that that's one thing Dan for me is I don't know how aggressive Notre Dame is going to be from a defensive perspective on the second and third levels, like from a pressure situation perspective. Cause I think that Notre Dame has to count that like, Hey, we can get home with four. We can dominate up front. We don't have to be like, we don't have to be this this exotic defense in this game to create pressure. Like I think that you can kind of just sit back and do your thing because, in on on paper, again, it's just on paper. Notre Dame has the more imposing offensive and defensive lines against North Carolina on paper.
0: Mm-hmm. Agree. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Everyone should start their day with a great cup of coffee. And for my family, that means the latest blend from Trade Coffee. My wife loves Trade Coffee. And when my parents were in town for the Notre Dame season opener, I turned them on to Trade Coffee as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month, to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. The coffee we got from Trade was superb. My wife is very picky with her coffee. I've told you that before, so I trusted Trade Coffee and had her fill out their quiz. They sent us three different blends, and they batted a 1,000. We received the Holmes Blend from Sparrow Coffee in Michigan, the Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York, and the Black Velvet from Atomic Roasters in Massachusetts. That's our collection, and trust me, we're adding to it. But if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping at drinktrade.com slash Irish. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish for $30 off. Try it out today. So appreciate that, Dan. Good one. Daniel Uske has a super chat. Thank you. Hey, IB crew. I've been disappointed in the linebacker play so far this year. Why hasn't Jordan Patel or Junior to Alamaka seen the field? Any possibilities to see the field this Saturday? J- Jordan Patel played a lot on, on the Marshall game and was terrible. He was bad. Uh, yeah. so again, here's the thing I'm gonna say about linebacker and, and, and I'm not coming down on y'all because I understand it. Cause it's what we're saying on offense. Hey, they need to play Tobias Merriweather and play Eli Raritan. The point that I'm making is I don't think the linebacker problems are as much about talent. I think mm-hmm. Tobias Merriweather needs to play because he is clearly the most physically gifted player that they have. They have no one else like him in the lineup, meaning six, four long. They And I made the article article that I wrote yesterday, The re, another reason they need to play Eli Raritan and especially at Tobias Merriweather is when you have a quarterback like Drew Pine, who's not a big armed, you know, attack downfield guy, you need to give him some size to just throw it up to and to feel confident he can just get the ball to. And so there's there's schematic and strategic reasons why you need to play. Jordan, uh, Tobias and Eli, Eli Raritan. The problem you're having a linebacker are the reasons that you're struggling a linebacker are not because you lack athleticism or talent. Maris Leuphau yeah. is arguably the most physically talented linebacker they have. It's all up here. J.D. Burchan has regressed not because he's slow and unathletic or he's not long. It's because up here. And if those guys are struggling, then what's to say that the, line, the veterans are, or the young guys are going to go in and all of a sudden figure yeah. things out? And I'm, my point is, you can change out your entire linebacking core nothing's going to change because talent's not the problem. The problem is that whatever's happening in the week of practice leading into Saturday, whatever they're teaching them Monday to Friday is not making it to Saturday. And I think part of that is because they are putting too much on them. There's too much pre-snap adjustments they have to make. There's too many, too many post-snap responsibilities. That's why we've said they've got to scale things back and let the linebackers play fast. Once they figure that out, then you could add more onto their plate. That's especially true against North Carolina. If you're giving them a lot of different checks and looks and corrections and adjustments based on them going to motion, they will motion you to death, and they will kill your linebackers in this game. So yeah. I don't think putting the younger guys or other guys on the field fixes anything until that part of this has changed. That's the difference between the advocation for Tobias and Eli and Chris Tyree to play more and the linebackers to play more. Before it was, you're not putting your best dudes on the field. Now it's, yeah. you're not, you're you're doing things coaching-wise that are not allowing your players to play to their full potential. That's also happening on offense. But it's also about your most talented players are not there. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like you say, oh, you know, play J- Jul- Jalen Snead. Is he really that much more talented than Maris Leifau? No, he's not. No. Maybe eventually, but not right now. Sure. There's the issue isn't athleticism. It's they're thinking too much. They're not playing aggressively, and, and they're not playing sound. And, and I, I feel like there's a big misnomer at the linebacker position all the time, Brian. And like
2: this happens in the NFL draft circle, and just like the general kind of evaluation circle of linebackers. Linebacker is such a mental position, man. Like people mm-hmm. act like it's like just a lack of athleticism and stuff, and that these, you know, more old school linebackers can't play in today's game. That's not really true if we're being completely honest, right? Like they mental processing and eye discipline and the ability to be quick out of your trigger are so important in linebacker. If you have that baseline linebackers can play football after that, it's like, okay, now they're a very technically sound and savvy player and also a crazy athlete, right? Like that kind of takes you to the next level, but I really do think there's like this big misnomer of like, that Notre Dame's linebackers lack athleticism. They lack this talent. I I disagree with it. I disagree with it imminently. Like right now, Marisoyfau is not playing bad football or below average football, however you want to quantify it, because he has because he lacks athleticism or size. That's not why, right? Like it's it's eye discipline. It's trigger. Those are the things that are making him not play great football. Is Jack Kaiser a bad athlete? Absolutely not. He's not a Walk bad athlete. That's not why he's well. playing bad athlete. Right. Yes. Well, well yeah, which of course. Yeah, and that, that's thing. the right. which, which is the nuance to playing the linebacker position, right? Like there's mm-hmm. lack of nuance at the position right now, which I think is what's holding him back personally. And doesn't change if you switch the personnel out. Yes. I mean,
1: that's that's the reality of it. Well,
2: me. because because the guys that everyone wants to see play, the Jalen Steens of the world. And, like, cool, Prince man. Dali, I want to see them play too. Heck yeah. 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 I want to see them play too. Prince Kali yeah. and, and Junior Tui Lamaka. I want to see all those guys play too. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're talking about the, the fact that the nuance and the, the the savviness of playing the position is what's lacking in, in the linebackers right. right now. So we're going to put first and second year players on the field, and that's yeah. going to change? Like that's not how that changes, Ryan, if
1: right? If this was a situation like 2020 with Shane Simon,
0: mm-hmm. I'd be
1: advocating for Prince Kali to play now. If, if if Maris Lufau was, you know, he was there, he was where he was supposed to be, he just was having no impact, I'd be advocating for him to get benched for Prince Colley. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is, yes, the, the linebackers are not playing well. That's on them because they're not executing, but it's not just on them. You know, right. somebody said, like, how can a group with Marcus Freeman, James Lernitas, and Al Gold not have good linebacker playing? I'm like, that's exactly the problem because you have these yeah. really wicked smart coaches who have these really smart kids and they don't realize like what college kids can do in practice isn't always necessarily what they can do in games when everything is sped up. And the other team is showing you looks that you know you're, you're giving the offensive scout team guys a card. You know exactly what they're gonna do on every single play. You don't know that on Saturday, right? And and that's the that's the problem. And so that doesn't change mm-hmm. with personnel changes. Now, if we start to see that coaches maybe scale things back and they're just not making plays, then I will be the first one send their pound on the table, and say, hey. You know, give Prince Collie a shot. Give Jalen Snead a shot. Give Junior to a shot. I'll be the first one to say sure. that. But you mm-hmm. got to fix the other part first, and then yes. see what your linebackers are doing. And then if they're still not playing well, then you make a change. And that's yeah. kind of I, I don't it comes I, from. I don't think there's been a
2: legitimate and fair evaluation to some of the linebackers at this point. Right, right? to your point, like are they right. being put in the best position possible? If the answer is right. no then that's not a player fault, although the player definitely is not still playing well. Sure. But like it's not a clean evaluation to look at a player that you know isn't being used the best of, to their ability and say that guy
1: can't play. I don't think that's fair. That's not a fair evaluation. Agree. I have an interesting super chat from Michael S. I haven't got one this. How successful was your preview of Cal compared to actual results? Where were you right and where were you wrong? I always love questions like this. Uh, I don't think I was wrong anywhere. I think Cal is exactly who we thought they were Uh, pretty good on defense and a team that had good skill on offense, as we saw and a team that had a bad offensive line. And so, you know, you look at our keys to the game, Ryan, when we talked last week, our on offense, our number one key to the game. And we talked about it. the old line has to play better. They did. We said, adjust your personnel. They did that to a degree. They put Chris Tyree in. Mm -hmm. He was a focal point on the offense. It's what we said they needed to do. And lo and behold, Chris Tyree plays well, and the offense is going. Another thing we said that they needed to do against Cal was spread them out formationally. They did that, and what we said was you spread them outside and you get to the perimeter early, that's going to soften up the run game. Well, what did Notre Dame have? I, I shouldn't say they didn't have success from an execution standpoint, but they had a success from a scheme standpoint, was getting to the getting guys open on the perimeter. Even though that Notre Dame dropped some balls and missed some throws, Cal knows, hey, we're getting out leveraged, and you saw Cal adjust, and then that really opened up in the second half, the run game. And and so, you know, and the other thing is we said get Drew Pine into an early rhythm. He didn't, and the offense struggled. Second half, he went 10 of 11. They were easy throws, but he got into a rhythm, and the offense was able to score 17 points in the second half. So I think we nailed that one pretty pretty well. Uh, defensively, it was a much more easy game plan. It was dominate up front and, limit the, and protect against the deep balls. And they pretty much did that, right? And, and when they got beat on defense, it's because they gave up – plays on the deep game, right? I mean, both of the scores came on deep ball. And then, of course, there's always the same issues of tackling, and they didn't tackle well, uh, and that resulted in some big things too. So I think we nailed it pretty good, Ryan. I mean, and both of our score predictions were close. I think you had well, – what, what What was your score prediction? 27-13. Okay, That's so close-ish. you were close-ish. I went twenty-sixteen, 16 uh, which was close as well. So I, I think we nailed it pretty good. If you don't, if I don't yeah. say so myself,
2: I, 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 want... yeah. If
1: I don't want to pat, pat ourselves on the back too much, I think we had a good week. Oh, well, I got week. asked. I mean, the guy back. asked the question, so <laughs> I know I'm being uh, serious. Yeah. yeah, I think we pretty much nailed that matchup last week, uh, so yeah, we got it pretty good. Tavis McKay, do offensive coordinators need to have play calls already prepared before games to run instantly in cases such as two cow complete passes? If yes, uh, what kind of play calls would go on to uh, would go to ones? So I think this is kind of the hurry up thing, Ryan, and yes, you will have Mm -hmm. that. You will have things built into if you need to hustle up and get a ball snapped, right? Um, The other thing you can do is if it's a long pass play, you'll teach your quarterback and receivers as they're running downfield to look at the sideline and get a play call. So you don't necessarily have to have a, a, this is the play we will run, but you can quickly get the play call in. But yes, they will have those things. They will have a, they'll have things where if it was like a long game, they'll just line up and run wedge. Or just, you know, just run inside zone. Just go, 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 go. If we're telling you, like, and so what will happen, Ryan, is the coaches will give a signal. Um, Mm -hmm. They'll have, like, a word, which means line up and snap the ball, right? (laughs) And then the the quarterback will know what the call is. He'll have one of two calls, depending on the scenario. Usually he'll have a couple calls. And then he'll quickly, hey, you know, so as you're running down the field, the quarterback is yelling, and Tiger, 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 you know that they're lining up and they're running, you know, inside zone to the right or line, 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 And now, you know, they're running quickly, running inside zone or something to the left. And, you know, in that situation, we're lining up and we're snapping the ball. And it's the quarterback's job to quickly get up there, make sure everyone's lined up. And then, bam, we're going on. And usually it's first sound, uh, you know, or or on the center, on the snap. You have two, the two, the two hurry up calls are on se- first sound or on snap. And the on snap means everyone's just watching the center and the center snaps the ball when he's ready. Right, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty much how those will work. So yeah, th- that'll that's usually. Well, I'll tell you this: if you're a well-coached team, that's part of what you've built into your offense, no question. And we've seen that from Notre Dame in the past, where they don't do that, where you're just like, "Hurry up and freaking snap the ball!" But they're looking around, they're making checks, they're making calls because clearly they weren't prepared to have a "hurry up and snap the dang football" call. Yeah, and that's something that's been missing at Notre Dame, and so that's on offense and defensively. And I like the coach Freeman kind of, kind of owned that on yesterday. He's like, you know, maybe I should have called a timeout. I'm like, maybe and you definitely should have called a timeout. You know what I mean? Um, But, um, uh, you know, but again, that's going to be part of the the learning process for a young coach, right? Mm -hmm. Is in the future, you're the head coach now make the call.
2: Right, and he's he's going to be he's going to be judged on the next game where there's a similar situation that happens. Right, like it's about learning and 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 And, you know. And he
1: said something too, Ryan. He said even if we don't get the call, you get the call overturned, we're able to settle the defense down and get the call we wanted in. So exactly both of those things. Even if you don't get it overturned, it's okay. Line up, get your defense re you know reset their minds. You know they're upset about this. Reset your minds. Here's what the here's what the call is. One hundred percent. So I was, glad I, I always, Brian, usually I, I'm a big
2: fan of timeouts right after a change of possession off like a turnover or something. Cause what happens every time there's like a big turnover in a game, the uh, offense is going to take a shot down the field because right. everybody's psyche is kind of broken, right? Like it's yeah. like one of those quick things. Trying to so sneak a I, score. I think, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You take a shot when your mind isn't right, right? So that's, right. yeah, that's interesting that you say
1: that. Yep, absolutely. We had another Super Chat down here. A couple more Super Chats down here that I wanted to get to. Let me pull these up here real fast. All right. Tyler Smith with a Super Chat. Thank you. He said, Brian, I saw your breakdown, breakdown top Pine to Tyree passing TD where Pine looked off of Tyree and looked his right. Does that show that Pine has a lot of trust in his offensive line? Oh, I think so. I mean, if if you don't trust your offensive line, you're not looking a guy off. You're you're staring down your receiver and trying to get rid of the ball. Yeah, I think that does that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also trusting the system. I think that's the other part of it. Is like trust, do you mm-hmm. do what you're taught to do. And then Drew's a gamer too. Like Drew's an, Drew's played a lot of football between high school football and this was a kid that was at every seven on seven event that he could possibly play in as a high school kid. Drew's a competitive kid. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it, too, is like, look, this is what I need to do to make this play. I need a pump fake to get this guy over there and get that to open this up. It's a it was a savvy play of a kid that had was struggling and and he he was pretty good after that. You know, I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he was pretty good after that, at least from the the stuff they were asking to do, which was not to test the ball down the field a whole lot. But, yeah, I I think that's shows trust, Tyler, and and also shows trust, shows trust in the offensive line and also shows trust in the system because he kind of threw blind back to Tyree. You know what I mean? Because you're and trusting. Trust, the, trust, in your, trust in yourself
2: as well. I mean, yeah. trust in every aspect, really. Well, when you think I don't think it. he
1: trusted himself a whole lot. That's why he aimed the ball to Tyree <laughs> yeah. and made him kind of <laughs> slow up for it. He didn't like rip that That's sucker fair. out there. But he, he threw with a lot more conviction after that. How about that? Yeah. Ray, whole crap with the super chat. Ray, thank you very much. How does our defense stop Drake May from running the ball off of a busted play or called play? Get him on Gap the ground. Discipline? <laughs> Gap discipline. Gap yep. discipline. Don't run past the quarterback and tackle. There was a play last year where Sam Powell ran for twenty yards It should have been a seven-yard sack by Isaiah Foskey. I mean, that's the biggest thing is is and here's the thing: I would rather him step into the pocket than step out of the pocket. That's the other thing that hurt them is when they steps out of the pocket, then the linebackers are going to have a tough, tougher time chasing them down. I also think you need to really rethink how your linebackers are playing. I I didn't understand why they kept stepping into the to the line to defend the backs on checkdowns, stay back. And then at the back free releases and you got to take them, then take them because what North Carolina is going to do that Cal did not do a lot of and should have is free releases from their backs, wheels, angles, seams. They're going to do a lot of that stuff. And especially if JD Bertrand's stepping down, he's going to mm-hmm. have a much heart. Well, it won't be JD Bertrand in the first half, uh, yes. but you know, second half, but Bo Bauer, junior to Maka, Maris, wolfow whoever, if, if they don't if they're not i mean a team that is has linebackers that are undisciplined and unproductive as their names has been i'm i'm going after them early with my backs and tight ends early yes. and okay. trying to have some success so so i think keeping your whoever you're i don't want to say spy because you're not spying him it's it's it you're not mm-hmm. just spying Drake may but you're spying the backfield whether for it's yes. a, a leak from the running back or the quarterback taking off i think is sure, the big key. short, but the, short the, zone
2: but, defenders yeah yep. We're but the interior
1: bad, of the defensive line has to know I have reached my point of no return. I yes. can't keep – like Jason Adam is especially a guy for this. You reach a point in time where you see that quarterback in your peripheral and you know he. I'm about to pass him. You're not making the sack at that point in time. It's like it's spin back inside, right? Spin back inside or stop and mm-hmm. and cover that gap. Right, because if he spins out, Foskey's right there waiting on. But I can't let him step into that gap and play it. So it's gap discipline, and then just teaching your guys to say you can't, you can't. As an interior defender, you can't run past the quarterback. And they did that a lot on Saturday. So yes, that needs. And if you if you have a free run as a corner fire, take the upfield shoulder. Yes. Never get spite. That's the biggest pet peeve of mine on on blitzes. When you blitz off the edge and you let a guy spin out, I hate that. I hate that because my thing is as a quarterback. When I was coming and I could see you in my periphery off the backs, I knew I could spin out from you, right? Because you were coming at a too level of an angle where I could spin out and, and get outside of you. But if, if if you're coming at the right angle, I'm not going to see you. And mm-hmm. so that's when you you go for the throw and shoulder in that uh, in that instance. So discipline, Ryan, tackle. Yep. Right, discipline, tackle, discipline, tackle, discipline, tackle. It's 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 not that simple, but it's that simple. Right? It, it it's really not that is. simple to execute, but it's that simple to say. It really so. is. I mean, at the at the end of the day, man, get the guy on the
2: ground. That's all that matters, right? And I think interior pressure is gonna be huge in this game, Brian. I know we're not doing yeah. keys to victory, but but with this quarterback who actually has pretty decent pocket movements interior pressure being able to kind of threaten him early on i think that's going to kind of rattle him a little bit so and that'll lead to as quarterbacks get more frantic usually they're a little easier to tackle so
1: to, to yep. kind of add on to that yep absolutely we got another super chat down here from uh another one from tyler smith thank you tyler very much for that it says can you guys ask freeman if he can put mayor at fullback i want to see him either run it up the mill or body someone Yo, know, i'm not going to ask him that <laughs> I, Text him right think, now, Brian. Right hold a second. Hey, coach. Um, somebody wants to, um, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's necessarily great usage of Michael Mayer as a fullback to run it up the middle or body someone. You know what I would like to see them do, however, is I would like to see them use Mayer in a way where they can hide him a little bit more behind the line with some stuff, mm-hmm. Ryan. I mean, do you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Sneak him out of the backfield, send him on unders. I mean, they're doing some of the under stuff, send him on wheels from the backfield a little bit more. Uh, that's what the wheel route was against Marshall. He was lined up yeah. in kind of a wing, like almost kind of in the backfield. And then the, he kind of got, you know, the, the, the motion allowed him to kind of peek by that's something that North Carolina does all the time. Then their name should do more of. Yeah. They use the motion to free that guy up. And then mayor, they ran a clear with the outside guy. They used the motion to suck down the linebackers and then mayor just wheeled right outside of them. I mean, well, that's what North Brian, Carolina does just, all the time, effectively. We, we just spent a lot of time
2: talking about post-snap switches. What, what, I mean, I would love to see Michael Mayer as, like, the the X receiver and have this slot on, on the line of scrimmage and short motion him to do some post-snap switch stuff and just kind of getting a little bit of a, a clean, clean release, man. Like, yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's ways. And honestly, folks, if you want to go watch a couple of the North Carolina games from this past year, from you know the, the first couple of weeks, they do a great job of just scheming easy stuff for their tight ends in the middle of the field. So I agree with mm-hmm. you, Brian. Like, I think there's ways that you can make it easier for Michael Mayer right now because stuff's not always easy for him right now. I mean, because yeah. everyone knows who he is, right? So right. Th- there's definitely ways that you can take advantage of his skill set still.
1: Yep. And then use him more effectively as a decoy to open other things up. I think that's yeah. another part of it too. Is when or, you know teams are overplaying him, use that. Go ahead, yeah. Brian.
2: Or you can run a triple option and put Mayor at fullback. I'm there for that.
1: No. See, now you're just – you were doing well. You were doing so oh, no. well. We're an hour and 40 through the show. I haven't had one time where you've ticked me off with some kind of sarcastic comment. And then you just had to go there. You had to, And you went straight for the jugular, Ryan. You went straight for triple option. I mean, you just went right for the yep. heart of it, man.
2: <laughs> what, what what would have been worse if I would have said him at fullback or him as the option quarterback? Which one would have uh, dug it deeper? Uh, I mean,
1: honestly, the thing that digs deep is the triple option. I don't care where you put them. <laughs> it's just a triple option. It can't get any worse than just triple option. I mean, that mm-hmm. is the worst case scenario, is triple option. So what, uh, what, when when the way. next
2: NCAA game comes out, we're gonna play a game and I'm gonna win with a triple option against you. Yeah, all
1: right. It's not happening. But yes, <laughs> yes, I've had people have tried that before. Let's just say uh, I'm no Evan Sharpley. I don't lose to Navy, okay? So I'm just going to leave that there. Oh, that's, that, was that was yeah. mean. That was mean. There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, Kyle Wade says, who's the singular most dangerous player for North Carolina for you guys? I think it's Drake May. And, and the reason uh, I say that is, is because w- – not, it's not, it's not the lazy answer. Like, he's the quarterback, I guess, to get the ball. But because he can hit you with those, you think everything is covered and it's third and 12, and he can scramble and pick up a first down because of the way that they play. That makes him the most dangerous player. Not, not most, because the question was not most explosive or best mm-hmm. or whatever, but who's the most dangerous player? If Drake May gets, yeah. gets into an early rhythm and the defense places undisciplined with gap control and contain as they have the last two weeks, Drake May is going to have a monster game. So that's who it is for me, Ryan. How about you? What's your what's your that, that
2: That's actually where I was leading, especially since Josh Downs is going to be back for this game, but he's going to be coming off an injury. So like, I don't know exactly how – I don't know if he'll be 100% per se, right? But like – because everybody knows that – I mean, we're both huge fans of Josh Downs, right? Like he's one of the best wide receivers in all of college football. He's a fantastic player. But for me, I know what Drake May has been doing, right? Like I know that he's been just killing over the last few weeks. I'm interested to see him against a – Better defense than he's played over the first three weeks, but I mean, I agree, Brian. I think what I've seen of Drake May over the first three weeks, and again, against App State, Georgia State, Florida A and M, right? So it's not a mm-hmm. it's not a daunting task so far, right? But Drake May looks good, man. Yes, really
1: good. So well, he's taking shots. He's getting hit in the face. He's willing to let go. Yep. You know, in pressure, he's he's played well. He's he's played well. Got another super chat down here from. Fred Stadelbauer, and his question is, you guys rock. Thank you. Uh, two questions. Number one, why are we not using consistent jet sweeps and misdirection? It's a good question. Uh, two, transfer QB targets next year. PSBK is rooting for UNC. That's that's good, Fred. I like that. Uh, transfer quarterback targets for next year. We talked about this earlier in the week. I'm not really worried about that right now. Like I, yeah. I don't have a clue who a good transfer quarterback would be because it's going to require some sort of – Kid to get benched late in the year for a young player, some court, some sort of uh, uh, change of coaching. Some kid that you know has a good year, but like just look at there's so much that's going to go into it. it's like like look bryce young's not going to transfer to notre dame next year right i mean caleb williams isn't isn't going to be a transfer to notre dame next year right like drake may somebody a couple weeks ago somebody was like you think drake may would transfer to notre dame why in the world Yeah, why would he would do that? Drake would... May want to transfer to notre dame right i mean he's from north carolina and he's putting up monster numbers in that offense while notre dame's not completing passes beyond five yards past line scrimmage right so um Just right now, it's just not Fred's not even on radar. I'm totally fine with you asking, Fred. No, no, I don't. This is not an attack or a shot at you. I get why you're asking that question. It's just for me, it's just not on my radar right now. I'm curious to see how Drew Pine develops, but uh, transfer quarterback is definitely something Notre Dame needs to do. Whether and it has nothing to do with CJ Carr. If CJ Carr chooses to reclassify, they still need to go get a veteran quarterback. Because C.J. Carr in 2023 is not your answer. C.J. Carr coming as an early enrollee, as a reclassified kid, is to get him ready for 2024 so he has a year in the offense, right? It is not to have him start in 2023. If that happens, that's not good. I don't want a quarterback starting when he should be a senior. J.T. Daniels couldn't do it. There aren't a lot of dudes that can do it, in my opinion, because that's about as advanced of a kid as you can have. Uh, So it's needed. It's just the timing of the discussion for me is just not right now, Ryan. That's that's where I'm I, at. Agree, agree, and, and if
2: I could comment just on the first part of Fred's question, yeah. I I know you you kind of answered it already, Brian. That like yes, I agree, but I sure. think that Jeff. Get Sweets, into specifics
1: of why. Get into spe- specifics of why they should be using yeah. them more
2: if you're struggling to run the football over the first couple games, that tells me that there's probably an issue with numbers in the box, right? So how's a way to get numbers out of the box or at least destroy the eye discipline of second level defenders. It's based upon movement, man, and trading motioning jet sweeps. It's making eyes move on the second level and that can create numbers advantages that can create leverage advantages. That's the Mm -hmm. biggest thing. Misdirection. Absolutely. Again, don't make things easy for a defense if you're not performing well on the offensive side of the football. Misdirection, killing eye discipline, all those things can help a struggling offense. And that's why I feel like it should be kicked up a notch, right? And you have also guys like Brayden Lindsey who have made plays in that
1: role in the past. So let's utilize several. that skill set. Right, several. Yeah, and I think it can open up some shots down the field. It can open up some other teams. Look, the reality is Notre Dame has to manufacture offense better. And that's the frustrating thing, right? Is that's one of the things I thought Tommy did a really good job of second half of the year last year, was yeah. manufacturing offense. Now I get he doesn't have Jack Cone at quarterback right now, right? And I just love it how there were so many people that crapped on Jack Cone last year, and we defended the kid because the problems are in year were not Jack Cone's fault. When he finally got time to throw, Jack was really good. Yeah. you don't have a fifth-year senior like Jack Cohn who's played a lot of football. You know, led a team to a Big Ten championship game, played in the Rose Bowl. You don't have that guy right now, right? And they they just did not do the things so where they built around Tyler Buckner in a way that they were trying to run a Jack Cohn pass offense with the Tyler Buckner rush offense, and it just wasn't working. You know, you needed to build around Tyler's ability early on differently, and then then eventually get to the more intricate pass stuff. And, yep. you know, it's it's one game of Drew Pine. It's too early to know what the game plan is going to look like moving forward with him. But, yeah, they got to do more to scheme guys open. And that's why Tyree needed to be on the field because he's a guy that can – you can scheme plays for and he can make big plays as we saw on Saturday, right? Uh, that's why Tobias Merriweather needs to be on the field. That's why Eli Rear needs – beyond the fact that a freaking freshman is your best blocking tight end, which is a a, a compliment to him, Cause he's battling hard and he's a freshman and also a smack in the face to the veterans, you know, Kevin yeah. Bauman and Michael Mayer, like how the heck are you letting that kid bench make block better than you? It's want to number one, but uh, that's why those guys need to play, Ryan. Because those are the playmakers that you have. Those are the guys that you can say, if you can, if you can design stuff for them, they can do big things. And it's why we've advocated for Braden Lindsay being used differently. They keep asking Braden Lindsay to play a game that is not suited to what he does well, nearly enough. And, you know, so, hey, he's not playing well. Yeah, because you're not you're not building around what he does. What is the stuff that he did so well in 2016 or 19? Jet sweeps, reverses, climb routes, cross routes, and a post route. They weren't, Chip Long wasn't calling back shoulder one-on-ones to Brayden Lindsay. Wasn't asking him to win one-on-ones on the outside you know, against corners and stuff like that. Now, there's some things that they can do to do that, in my opinion, but not in the boundary. Be doing it as the field. The the, yes. the post route that Ian Book hit Lindsey on in 2019 was a field shot. You know, put him in the slot more and let him run some of those routes against a safety that's off the feet, off the ball. So it's a usage problem to me, not a player problem only. Now, mm-hmm. there's some guys that are just not playing well. Jaden Thomas is not playing well. He's just he's not been good. So, you know, I, I do think there need to be some changes, you know, I just, the way I look at it, Ryan, I, I just think that, that how they're using that talent is also part of the problem. And that's yeah. just something that needs to get corrected.
3: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: Got some more questions up here. We've got Matt Altenberger. Is it a hot take to say that this game is a turning point of the season? I don't think that's a hot take at At all. all. I don't think that's hyperbolic at all, Matt, if I'm being yeah. honest. Like, it, this is a – look,
2: it gets you back to 500. You start feeling a little bit better about yourselves, and you're about to start getting into the meat of the schedule. You know, like you're going to be seeing BYU here pretty soon. You go into a bye week, and you're feeling a little bit better about yourself now moving forward. So I think that this mm-hmm. can be a huge injection of confidence if you're able to play well. And I think it can be a, a semi-turning point of the season because I think that right now you're just trying to get back into an identity. And I think there was a last week I think that there was a push towards an identity, but I still don't think Notre Dame's completely understood exactly what they are yet. Right.
1: Will E, in my opinion, this will be a defining game for Marcus Freeman. His adjustments will be critical. If he can't get the team ready, that tells a story. I think that's I think that's accurate. You're mm-hmm. past the quarter that you're past the first quarter of the season. You're you're kind of going into the first third of the season on Saturday. So, yeah, if you can't get this team ready to play technically, emotionally. Now, what I'll say is Notre Dame was emotionally ready to play against Cal, and they are emotionally ready to play against Ohio State. I think the issue against Marshall was the letdown aspect. If you'd put so much into beating Ohio State and to lose that way, I think the team did not respond well, and they took Cal yes. for granted. They're not taking North Carolina for granted. Because most of these guys remember chasing these guys around last year and how challenging that game was. So they're not going to take it for granted, but – can you get them to re- be ready from an execution standpoint? That's a big question mark, Ryan. And yeah. and how that gets answered is going to go a long way towards determining how well does Coach Freeman get this team rallied back from mistakes? How well does he uh, get this team, this coaching staff, and then down to the players to make adjustments of things that are not going well? Those, this is what I said. The most important things that a head coach is, d- does are from Monday to Friday, not Saturday. Now, are there times when something like the timeout call is something that a head coach can do? Sure. But if you don't have a team ready Monday to Friday, it won't matter. That this team on Saturday against Cal was ready to play mentally. Did they execute well? No, they didn't. But it was a they were ready to play. They were mentally locked in. They played hard. They played with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They played like they had something to prove and they did. Now you've got to clean, now you got to keep that going, but then clean up the execution on both sides of the ball. Those are going to yep. be the keys to this. And and that's where Marcus Freeman will be judged, as as any head coach will be judged. Is how ready to you get to your do you get your team to play week after week? And how effectively can you get them to develop and grow and improve as the season goes on? Those are gonna I, be the keys. I, I
2: can't believe after this week, Brian, we're already a third of the way through the season, regular season. I know. That's insane, I man. Know.
1: Absolutely insane. It yeah. takes forever to get there and then it just flies by. Yes. John A1 with a question. Ryan, I'll have you answer this one. We finally saw the D-line play aggressively and disrupt versus Cal. Do you think they will carry over to practice and create the good on good we thought was happening in camp?
2: They have to, John, if we're being honest. like This is a situation where, look, on paper you were a better defensive line than what Cal had offensively on the offensive line, right? You're going into a very similar situation this week. North Carolina's offensive line is not good. It's not very good. It's not. So Notre Dame, in order to potentially win this game, or at least make it a game, you have to dominate both the offensive and defensive lines in this football game, right? So Notre Dame on paper has an advantage in this football game from a defensive line perspective versus the offensive line of North Carolina. And for them to be a successful team, it has to continue. Like it just has to, right?
1: Will it continue? We'll see. But on paper, it should continue this week. There's no doubt about it. Next question also from John A1. Is the Notre Dame offense going to be able to give the defense a good look in practice and preparation for North Carolina? That's a, that's a bigger question now than it was a week ago because now the guy that would have been running scout team, Steve Angeli, who could give you a good look. Steve is a kid that has a good arm. He's a kid that is tall like Drake May. He's a kid that can move, move in the pocket effectively. Now he's probably not running scout team for you. It's probably Ron mm-hmm. Paulus III, who is not a real mobile guy. So, yeah, that's a concern. That's a concern for me. And this is where the lack of depth at receiver and running back is also problematic because you're not throwing, you know, really talented young receivers at them because those guys, you only have one, and he has to play and should be playing on your on your top level. So, yeah, it's a good question, John. Is Are they going to be able to give him a good look? I, I, I don't know. I really don't have an answer to that. And, and who
2: who the heck is going to be playing Josh Downs in practice this week? I have no I know, idea. Right? Because even Tobias is six four, like he's
1: nothing like Josh Downs. Right, right You Lindsey. Yeah, I maybe. mean, maybe, maybe. Yes. My, my point is, maybe this is the week you do a little bit of good on good in some of these yeah. team sessions. You know what I mean? It's a good idea. It's a good um, idea. Because there are some concepts that Notre Dame does, that Cal does. Like last year, Cal a couple times ran that, that wide fade from the slot. Notre Dame likes to run that. There are some things that they do. That are a little bit crossover. You can maybe have a, you know, some looks with each other in those situations as well. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. Got a super chat from Michael S. How complicated is North Carolina, North Carolina's offense compared to Ohio State? Similarly, I would say Ohio State's has a little bit more yeah. complexity to it post snap, where North Carolina has a lot of great complexities formationally and movement pre snap, and then they do a lot of more they do more post snap switching type of stuff than Ohio State does, but. Post snap, yep. similar, maybe Ohio State uh, slightly more complex than than North Carolina's, but neither is an overly comp, com, complicated offense. Agreed. Looking at it from a offensive standpoint, defensively they're both complicated to defend because of all the different things that they do. Like the way they'll run the same play four different ways, and that's what makes it complicated. Mm-hmm. Charlie Weiss's last belt loop, coach. What you're saying is obvious stuff. But I don't know why the coaches don't see it, Charlie. I have no idea uh, why they don't see it. Uh, They get paid paid millions but can't adjust coaching to see the obvious. I don't know. Number one, some of this isn't as obvious as you think it is. Number one, because things that you were doing in camp that were working did not work as well when you started playing other teams. And that happens sometimes. But, yes, there are things that they need to do that should be considered obvious. Uh, Other things that uh, are not as obvious. And some things are obvious or easy to say but mm-hmm. harder to fix right and that's another thing yes. that fans don't realize about football is oh they need to run the ball better oh, okay how right yes. and, they need to throw the it, ball down feel better okay how and, and from that's a the teaching
2: from a teaching perspective too brian like sometimes easy things are hard to teach at times i know that sounds really counterproductive but like some things are so natural, like from a, just like a body positioning, whatever, like just natural to your mind, may not be natural to someone else's mind, right? So, like you're trying to teach okay. a, a concept, and it's like that's that it should be easier for them to understand your opinion, even though honestly, it's just something that's different to them, right? So, I think there's a lot of complexity that goes to it, man. It's it's just not go here, do that better, okay? How, <laughs> right? Like we we need some instruction
1: on how we're going to get to that point. Right. So, yep. Uh, I, I'm going to bring this question up and I'm not quite sure what he's asking, but I'm going to take it mm-hmm. a certain direction. How many, um, and what types of throws must a competent college quarterback make? Can Drew Pine make those passes? Well, number one, Nicholas, I, I, I like the question if, I, if I'm reading it correctly, mm-hmm. but the, the answer is to a degree is it depends on the system. Yeah, what system like, For example, yeah. some systems are going to require their quarterbacks to throw the ball downfield a lot, and other systems are not. Uh, some systems are going to ask quarterbacks to throw in rhythm a lot, and others do not. Some systems are going to ask a guy to make full field reads and all those kind of things. Here's what I'll say about Drew Pine. There are some throws that Drew Pine is just not going to be able to make. Drew Pine is not going to bang a far hash go route that's not on rhythm. Like, if he's going to – like, let's just say North Carolina comes out and they're just playing cover one, Ryan, or cover zero, and you've got – because you're in 12 personnel and they're just going to say, hey, we know you're not going to throw to the field. We're going to leave that guy one-on-one. Drew Pine can catch, drop, and rock, and throw and hit that throw. But Drew Pine is not going to go through his read, see a guy coming open late, and launch at 60 yards down the field for a touchdown. That's just not who he is. Drew is not mm-hmm. going to scramble around like Phil Dracovic and launch a 40 yard backside in cut for a completion. He's just not going to do that. But the majority, like he, there's not a throw that Jack Cohn made last year that Drew Pine can't physically make. Agree. It's not about the physical thing for Drew to, to, to run this offense at a high level. There's not many throws that I've seen Drake may make so far in this offense that I don't think drew pine can physically make. Mm -hmm. Would you agree or disagree with that last statement, Ryan? Well, both of those with Jack Conan, Drake may, there's a couple like just bombs, but like the post route that we drew up in a play against app state, that ball went like 40 yards in the air. Drew pine can make that throw. Right. I haven't seen him throwing a lot of field out cuts or no. field comebacks, I'd say the one throw that I would point to is he banged a corner route early against App State that took some 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 arm talent because he was getting hit in the face. You know which play I'm yeah. talking about? It was like going in, I think it was their yes. first or second score of the game. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's a throw. That's why I said most throws. I don't know if that's a throw that Drew Pine can make with a guy in his face. Now, if Drew's got a clean pocket, there's no doubt he can bang a 25-yard corner route. But can he do it when he's off his sure. back foot? and a guy's coming that's a little different deal but that's that's one pass in three games right it's can he do it accurately can he do it decisively and the biggest thing is can he do it with confidence that's the key and Drew's got to do things in a rhythm that other quarterbacks can do late in a play and so that's why it's important that Tommy Reese's number one, put different personnel on the field. That's why you need Tobias Merriweather and Eli Raritan in the game more because Drew can just say, hey, look, the pressure's coming. I got a one-on-one. I got a six-foot, four-and-a-half corner against a 5'11 receiver. I don't, or I mean a a six, four-and-a-half receiver against a 5'11 corner and no safety help. This isn't rocket science, right? right? Throw it out there and throw it high and let your guy go get it. That doesn't require you to be Trevor Lawrence, right? And what Tommy Reese has to do is find ways to get his best personnel on the field, get them in some isolation stuff, and then give Drew some some relatively simple reads. If you watch North Carolina play, Ryan, there's a lot of plays where you know that the two outside receivers are not really options because of the way the other team lined up. Now, every player is an option pre-snap, but the alignment will say, okay, they're playing this cover, so that guy is not part of my read. I'm going here to here to check down, doing Mm -hmm. more stuff like that. Then the receivers actually have to run the route like they give a crap, which we're not seeing a lot from the outside receivers. When they know they're not going to be an option, they just kind of jog off the field and everybody knows they're not getting the ball, right? North Carolina's receivers usually run with more conviction than that. Yeah. So I think those are all types of things we need to see schematically. And then Drew has to have the confidence to just let it rip. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Don't be afraid to get yelled at right you didn't get yelled at cuz you were you know not willing to throw a ball you got you got yelled at cuz you missed on those throws let him rip right. right let her rip go make the plays cuz you don't have Tyler looking over your shoulder so he's got to play with confidence and the more he plays the more he'll have that but Tom Reese has got to scheme him into success as well and scheme the personnel into success and part of the way that you can help a 6 foot not experienced quarterback is to not ask him to throw to a bunch of a bunch of 5'11 6 foot guys who aren't getting separation because of the type of schemes that you're asking, you're having them run. You're running stuff that you honestly, Ryan, they're running an offense right now that you'd run. If you had miles Boykin and chase Claypool at receiver stop routes, yeah. out cuts, one-on-ones, you know, into the boundary, uh, curl routes, stuff like that in cuts, stuff that you're like, okay, that's what you would have run with miles and chase, but not yeah. with a bunch of fast six foot guys. You know what <laughs> I mean? And that's the thing that needs to change in my opinion.
2: I, I agree. I, I think confidence is the biggest thing for me, and you kind of reiterated that a time, Brian. People get super hyperbolic, right? Like they watch the game against against Cal, and they're like, "Oh, Drew Pine can't throw the ball over ten yards." But like in reality, yeah, he can. Is it, it's, it's right. is he the strongest quarterback? We saw, ball throw a 30, right. Right, we saw him
1: throw a thirty. we saw him throw a thirty-plus yard outside go route for a touchdown against Cincinnati last year.
2: My point. It's my yeah, one hundred percent, man. It's it's something where like can he do it? Yes, he can do it, but you have to believe that you can do it, right? Like that's the biggest thing. Does he have a howitzer for an arm? No. Does he have the strongest arm in the world? Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. Does he have a great arm? No. But the fact of the matter is, is that he's still a division one quarterback, Like he can still make those throws. It's just about the confidence and what makes great quarterbacks great is that they can manage those chaos and they have the, the confidence to still make that throw, right? Like that's what makes them special. Drew Pine doesn't he has a good enough arm and good enough talent to get the job
1: done. It's just about a confidence level thing for me. That's 100%. right. Last couple. John A one is the Notre Dame offense going to be able to give the defense? Oh, should we already answered that one. It's a great question. Mm-hmm. I had to read it twice. Last one then from Christopher Galloway. Christopher, thank you very very much for this. How many of the defensive linemen are able to are being double teamed on any play? Could this be the issue with the linebackers not getting off blocks because the linemen are not getting double-teamed? No, that's not really it, I don't think. I mean, we're seeing a lot of double-teams. What's what's happening, Ryan, is that's actually one of the things that's hurting the D-line is they're getting double-teamed, but because the linebackers aren't attacking, they're able to stay on that double-team. Because the way a mm-hmm. double-team works is we're going to stay on this double-team until the second guy that we're working off of threatens. So if Ryan and I are working on a double-team on that line right there, we're going to keep driving that sucker until the guy behind it flashes. If he stays yeah. back there, we're just gonna keep driving on you. You know, so what you do is is you know, I'm hitting this gap, you crash there, and I can't keep that double team because so like I, I'm working here, Ryan's and I'm and I'm telling Ryan, hey, you gotta you gotta come to me. You need to overtake this guy, right? But if that linebacker crashes and hits me in the face before Ryan can come over and overtake that guy, we're both getting beat. Right. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's what aggressive linebackers do is you read your key and then you fly downhill to your response. You know, you fit off that defensive lineman properly. And so what we're seeing now is like, there's a place where Jason Adamiola will be, will will come off and really not rock a guy back. But then what happens is that other tackle whams him from the outside and then Jason gets knocked back and they just stay on that block and they just keep rocking him back. That's Mm going to be true no matter who you're playing or how big your guy is, because if two guys that weigh 600 pounds are taking on me who weighs 320 pounds and they're any good, I'm losing that battle. If I don't get some help. Right. And so that's why the linebackers need to crash. And then that's when you'll see, cause we, we've seen that, uh, was it Marshall, right? They're trying to work a double team and then Marshall's linebackers just crash hard. And then they come off the double team and then they end up both missing the guy or whiffing on the guy. So I, yeah. I like Chris, I think you're thinking of like your head's going in the right direction. And I think that, in theory, kind of what you're saying is true, but the li- it's it's the reverse. I would say the reverse is true. Would you say that, Ryan? Where the D I mean. linemen are having a little bit of trouble because the linebackers aren't playing well, as opposed to yes. the linebackers are not playing well because the D line is is getting double teamed, right? Which is and kind so of think- funny because it's
2: right. it is usually the other way around. Usually, linebackers don't play well because the defensive line isn't doing the responsibilities. But I think it's it's making them look worse, Brian. Too. I mean, it's just from not even from a functional perspective. It's like. I think defensive line, interior defensive line especially, are doing their job a lot. It's just the linebackers aren't making the plays that are designed for them to make, man. It's just making them look bad from both sides.
1: Yep. There's no doubt about that. So, Ryan, that is going to do it for today. And we're going to be back tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern. Obviously, we will have the IB Nation Sports Talk Show with Sean Styers as your host Uh, They'll have plenty more to talk about when it comes to Notre Dame football. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to do sort of our stacking up and matchups breakdown. We'll kind of look at – we'll dive a little deeper into the individual numbers of the run game, Notre Dame run defense versus uh, North Carolina run offense, and in the opposite matchup pass game versus pass offense versus pass defense of both units, and then just overall kind of dive into the weeds a little bit more from a statistical standpoint and then a personnel matchup standpoint. Be what we'll do tomorrow, and we'll talk more and more about you know where Notre Dame has some advantages and where there are some concerns. Thursday will be keys to the game. We'll dive into the specifics of what does Notre Dame need to do to have success in this game, and of course, Friday it is prediction time. So, Ryan, uh, that is going to do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody. Hit that like button, folks. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Sign up for the IB Nation or IB I, Irish Breakdown message board. That's a boards at Irish Breakdown.com. If you're listening via podcast platform please give us a five-star review and greatly appreciate that. Don't forget to follow and sign up for the, the uh, CFB nation. The guys are actually recording a show right now. As we speak that will, the part one will come out tomorrow. Part two will come out on Thursday. Uh, that is Bill Bender and Bill Trochi from sporting news. Uh, I'm working on a couple other things. I'm hoping to be able to add to the CFB nation. We'll see uh, here in a little bit, but we're definitely still trying to grow that, but make sure you follow and also listen to, the CFB nation show as well. So for Ryan Roberts, I'm Brian Driscoll. Thank you all so much for being with us. Have a great day. And thank you for joining us on the Irish breakdown podcast.